0: So habits, talking about habits this morning. Anybody set any New Year's resolutions for yourself that has something to do with your habits? Anybody? A couple of you? Yeah, raise some hands. Habits are important, right? They seem small, but they're insignificant things that we do every day in and out and in and out. uh, And they just, they have an impact on our life. Some of us have good habits, some of us have some bad habits. Who could afford to have a few less bad habits and a few more good ones? All of us, right? Jack Canfield, he said this. He said, your habits will determine your future. Think about that for a second. Your habits will determine your future. I believe that more than anything in your life, I believe that your habits will determine your future. The things that you wake up and, and choose either actively or passively choose to do every single day will determine the course of your future a lot of times we feel trapped by our habits don't we maybe we have some bad habits that we've tried to get rid of and we just we haven't been successful at it maybe we set some some new year's resolutions in 2018 over a year ago and we had to reset them again this year because we we still haven't fought it and overcome it or whatever we want to talk about that today but here's the good news is that you are in charge of your habits. You're not a hostage. You're not uh, you're not trapped. You are in charge of your habits and and we believe that you have the power to overcome that. You see most people have uphill hopes but downhill habits, right? Isn't that what a New Year's resolution is? It's a it's a, a hope, it's a dream, it's a vision, it's a a goal of something that we want to accomplish or something that we want to be better at or something that we desire to see come to pass in our life. That's an uphill hope. But many of us, we all have these downhill habits that drag us down and and prevent us and stand in the way of us accomplishing these uphill hopes that we have. See, hope is very important in our life. Hope is important. But hope alone is not enough to overcome your habits by itself hope does not have the strength to overcome your habits we need something more than that we need a commitment a commitment to a cause a commitment to a vision and a commitment to a plan we need these things connected with our hope to overcome our bad habits see everything we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks uh has something to do with building good habits in your life. Today, in a couple of minutes, we're going to cover one habit specifically that I promise you, if you can incorporate it into your life, it'll make 2019 successful for you. If you're willing to commit yourself to the process, God will help you. Sometimes we feel like we don't have the strength, but I believe that starting is all it takes, and then God will meet you. So the first thing we need to do this morning, you ready for it, is to get rid of excuses. We all have a lot of excuses. Maybe it's something from our past, or maybe we've done something for so long that we just think that it's not possible, and so we make an excuse. I want to encourage you guys today, if you struggle with failure, maybe you set a New Year's resolution two weeks ago on December 31st, something that you were going to stop doing or start doing or accomplish this year and here you stand 2 weeks later and you've already failed right you've already broken it whether it's i want to drink more water and and less dr pepper or i want to stop smoking cigarettes or i want to spend less time on my phone and more time reading books maybe you stand here today and it's 2 weeks later and you you feel like you've already messed it up you've already broken that you've already uh you know you've already failed at what you set out to do. And I want to challenge you this morning to look at today as a blank slate, clean slate. Isn't that why we set New Year's resolutions on January 1st, right? Because to us, a year seems like a clean slate. From January 1st to December 31st, it feels fresh. It feels new. It feels like it's different. You know, some people say, oh, well, it's just another day on a calendar. But It's an an easy, identifiable, measurable amount of time that we can say, okay, from this date to this date, I'm going to do better. And whether that's all in your head or not, it's measurable. And so sometimes we look at January 1st as a clean slate. But I want to challenge you today to look at today as a clean slate. And you know what? If you go home or tomorrow you mess up up on whatever you set out to do, I want to challenge you to look at the next day as a clean slate to wake up every day and and not say, okay, I failed yesterday, so 2019 is done for me. No. Look at every day as a clean slate. Zach always says this, and I really like it. He says that God is not the God of the second chance. He's the God of the next chance. You heard Zach say that before? God is not just a God that says, okay, I'm counting. You got five chances. Whenever you start to mess up, you're running out of chances. God is not that away. He's the God of the next chance and He always meets us where we are. He always gives us an opportunity to stand up, to try again, and to do better. So if you want to take this journey towards healthy habits in 2019, you're going to need three things in your toolbox. The first thing is the hope for the future. And we talked about this a little bit already, right? Hope is important. Hope is the starting place. Maybe some of you in here today, 2019 broke you and you feel like you don't have any hope. Maybe it's something small in your life that you've been trying to accomplish and and you've just failed time and time again for so long that you've given up hope and you said, I'm not worried about trying to change that. I'm always going to be that way. You've given up hope. Maybe some of you in 2018, maybe it was difficult in the sense that your your marriage or your relationships were were worse than you expected them to be. Or things didn't go as planned. Maybe some of you are are on the brink or on the edge of of disaster right now. And you don't see any kind of way that the situation you're in can ever be redeemed. Maybe in 2018 your finances were a wreck. Maybe you struggled to find a job. Maybe you struggled to keep a job. And you just you don't know what you're going to do to make 2019 any different. I want to challenge you this morning that hope is the starting place. Hope says I believe it can still happen. Hope says I believe that I can still change. Hope says there's still a way. There's still a chance. I want to share a quick story with you this morning about the woman in the well in Samaria. Some of you may remember that story, but just to kind of briefly give you a little bit of information about it, she was a woman who had been married five different times and divorced five times, and then the guy that she was with at the time wasn't her husband. And it says that whenever Jesus went and met her at the well, that he went and met her at midday now here in modern times we can get our water anytime we want right we can turn on the faucet and there it is but back in those days they had a well in the middle of the city and if people wanted water to cook or to clean or to drink they had to walk to the well most of them did it in the morning they dropped their bucket down into the well and got their water but this woman was there in midday the heat of the sun nobody else was there she was all alone because everybody else did it in the cool of the morning she did that on purpose to avoid seeing the crowd, why did she do that? She was full of shame, and she had given up hope on her own life that she would ever be anything different than the woman who had been divorced five times. But Jesus went out of His way. The Bible says that the journey Jesus was on, He didn't have to go through Samaria. That was out of His way. It wasn't a shortcut. Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman in Samaria and meet her at the well at midday. Why did Jesus do this? It wasn't even a common practice for, for Jews to associate with Samaritans at that time. There was racial tensions between the two groups of people. And yet Jesus, a Jewish man, went out of his way to talk to a Samaritan woman at the well. And he did this so that he could restore her hope. That he could restore her belief that her identity could be something different than what she had always been. In John chapter 4.10, he says, Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you fresh and living water. You would never thirst again. I want to say the same thing to you this morning if you've given up hope. If you only knew the generosity of God, the unlimited opportunity He wants to give you this morning to have hope and to be different than you think you even can be. You know, when we look around this room today, some of you may not know all of these people here, some of you may have only been here for a short time, but there are Countless stories of people's lives who have been changed. People who everyone else would have considered hopeless. But by the grace of God, here you are today. You may not be perfect, but you are changed. And that's what we're here for today. Is to give you hope that things can be different. That there's still an opportunity for, for life to look different than it looks today. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 2019 can look different. Before I do anything today, I want to challenge you and encourage you to find a glimmer of hope again, that it can be different. Jesus has never given up hope on you. Here at OSC Crowley, we haven't given up hope on you, and I would challenge you not to give up hope on yourself. So that's the first thing you need, hope for a future. If you want 2019 to look different, if you want to begin building healthy habits in your life, hope is a starting place. The second thing you need is repentance from the past. Repentance, that's an ugly word, right? Many of us don't like that word if you've been around church for a while, there's a certain connotation that goes along with the word repentance. We assume that it means falling on your face and and crying before God and shedding tears and and feeling shame and, and feeling bad about yourself. If you really just shrink back a little bit and just look at the definition of what repentance is, all it really means is a change in a course in the direction that you're going. Now, I believe that understanding that the things that we're doing are wrong and feeling you know, regret about that and making a choice to change and say, I'm never going to do that again, that's where repentance starts is understanding that you have some bad and some unhealthy behaviors in your life. But repentance is not the act of, of just feeling shame and feeling sorry for yourself. How many of you have done that before? You've fallen on your face before God and cried because of something that you just couldn't get rid of and yet you didn't change that behavior. So that that proves right there that just feeling sorry, just crying, just asking for forgiveness alone is not repentance. Repentance is a change in your course. See, sometimes it looks like this. Five different chapters in trying to change. Chapter one, I went for a walk and I fell into a deep, dark hole, and it took me a while to get out. Chapter 2. I went for a walk and fell into the same dark hole, and it took me a while to get out. Chapter 3. I went for a walk, and this time I saw the hole, but I got too close and I fell in, and it took me a while to get out. Chapter 4. I went for a walk, and I saw the hole, And decided to walk around the hole. Now, how many of us stop right there, though, and we say, "Well, that's good enough. I'm not falling in the hole. I'm tiptoeing around the same things that I struggle with and I fight with, and the things that I used to fall into. I'm I'm tiptoeing around. I see them. I'm being cautious, but I'm still too close for comfort." And we stop right there. Eventually, what happens? One day, you get comfortable. You stop being careful and you fall back into that same hole again. Even though you were careful for a season, even though you were different for a season, you kept the same course. and So you kept bringing yourself closer and closer to the things that you always struggled with, and eventually you'll fall back in. But repentance is this. This time, I went down another street. Doesn't that make sense, right? Don't go the same way. If you keep struggling and fighting with the same things, You have to do something different. John Maxwell says this. He says that your life will never change until you change something that you do every day. We often find ourselves here. And reaching chapter 5, where we take a different street, that's repentance. And that's what we need if we're going to begin to build some uphill habits. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. This is Paul that is writing this, and he's a man who's made a lot of mistakes in his life. Most notably, he's a man that at one time previously had... Uh, had crucified Christians and had, had chased them down and gone to different cities all around Israel and had chased down people who were believers in Christ and he would put them in jail and he would have them put on trial and he had come to a point in his life where God changed him. God changed his heart radically and he became a new person. And so what Paul is saying here is that, look, I don't have it all figured out. I haven't figured out how to be perfect yet. I haven't stopped making mistakes. I haven't stopped you know, committing some sins, some things that I struggle with. But one thing that I've gotten right is that I've cut ties with the past. And I'm pressing forward towards a different vision for my life. So if you struggle this morning, something with, that you've fought over and over and over again, I want to challenge you to think the same way as Paul that I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, but I'm making the choice today to cut ties with the shame in my past. And I'm going to press on towards different things today. And so number three, the third thing that you need is a formation of uphill habits. You have to actually form the good habits in your life, right? So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some very specific habits that if you place these in your life and you build these up, 2019 will be a different year for you. Today, we're just going to talk about one. Habit number one, focus on what I do first. I want to challenge you guys to focus on what you do first. Whatever you prioritize first in your life, says a lot about who you are. You see, you may have some other things that you wanted to focus on, some other things that were on your list for New Year's resolutions, maybe to to get a little bit healthier, to eat better, to exercise, to read books instead of spending so much time on social media. Maybe all of those things are part of of what you wanted to accomplish in 2019. But I want to challenge you that if you can focus on what you do first, 2019 will be a different year. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, it says this. Don't worry about what you will say, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what will we wear. The people who don't know God keep trying to get these things, but your Father in heaven knows that you need them. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, and then all your other needs will be met as well. So the first thing that we do to build this habit is to put God first. The first thing we need to do, focusing on first, focusing on what I do first, is we need to put God first in our life. If God is in your life, but he's not first in your life, then he's probably just a short while away from not being in your life at all. See, God is not a God who desires to to take second or third place in your life. He wants to be number one because he knows how everything else in your life should be organized. Whenever we place God, you know, second or third or somewhere down on the list in order of priorities, in order of the things that we deem important, the things that we focus on and spend time with each and every day, whenever he's further down that list, we're putting the cart before the horse. It's like he's somewhere down there jumbled in the mix and the things that are at the top of the list, they may be completely unhealthy and we don't even realize it because we don't have God at the top to tell us any different. I believe that God is a relentless God. Not that he's angry or not that he's pushy or not that he's forceful, but I believe that he's relentless and he doesn't tire of trying to get to the top spot in your life. I believe that he's constantly tugging at your heart, constantly speaking to you, constantly pressing on you in different ways that you would place him first and prioritize him above everything else. You see, anything that you have above God on the list will probably eventually draw you away from him. Not intentionally, and I don't believe that that the things that we may place above God on the list are necessarily sins in and of themselves. I want to read a quick scripture from Hebrews chapter 1 and 2, or chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So let's stop right there for a second. The, the author of Hebrews is differentiating between things that are weights that slow us down and things that are sins, that are directly against God's will for our life. You see, there may be things in your life that aren't black and white sinful issues. They're not necessarily things that uh, you would, would, would you know, cause God to, to, uh, to look at you and, and understand that you are sinning. But there are lots of things in our lives that are weights, that drag us down, that trip us up, and that distract us from our purpose. Things that seem innocent. Things that everybody else is doing. Things that are socially acceptable and honestly, in and of themselves, they're not sins. But they're not necessarily healthy for you. So the author of Hebrews, he differentiates between those things and he says, Let us strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting before him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Some of us are carrying around so many weights that whenever it's time to to finally give God a piece of us, we're just so emotionally drained we can't even do it. We're tired. Can you imagine trying to run a marathon? First of all, can you imagine trying to run one at all, right? 26 miles. But then can you imagine strapping weights on and trying to run that same distance? You wouldn't have the same endurance, right? You would almost inevitably be forced to quit because of the weights that you were carrying. And so the same is true in our walk, you know, every day, day in, day out. There are things that you are carrying right now that are not sins, but they are weights, and you need to lay them down. When we do this, I promise we'll be able to run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. One thing we want you to realize is that Christianity is not about raising your hand and saying a prayer. Christianity is not about being baptized in water. Christianity is not about sitting in a church service like this. Christianity is about you restructuring your life so that God is the number one priority. And doing that every day. And if I wake up and mess that up tomorrow, then I'm going to try again on Tuesday. And just having a, a constant focus to run that race with endurance, to place God first. That's what Christianity is. And a lot of people... They supplement all these little things that feel right but don't make a a, a big enough difference in their heart. But prioritizing God on a daily basis to be number one on your list will make a difference in your life and that's what Christianity looks like. Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 and 3 it says this and God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no gods before me. God deserves to be first in our life because of how generous and how kind he's been. He used the example of the Israelites that were trapped in slavery. As a people, they were trapped in slavery for over 400 years. And God redeemed them and miraculously, when you read Exodus, he miraculously brought them out of slavery through the desert into a place of promise. In doing so, don't you think he deserved to be number one in their life? The same is true for us. Think about the places that God has brought you from. The things that God has redeemed you from. The places that he's given you hope where you had none. Doesn't he deserve to be first in your life? Don't you want someone with that kind of understanding of who you are, your personality, the ins and outs of of what you are like? Don't you want someone like that to be in charge of your life? And not all the other little things that you focus on, God deserves to be first in your life. So how do we put God first? How do we make Him a priority? How does He become number one? It starts with giving God the first of everything. The whole, don't tighten up yet. I know every time anybody talks about giving God the first of everything, it always comes to money, right? You hear that a lot about giving God the first of your tithe. And that's a part of it. I don't, I don't want to, you know, distract from that. Allowing God to be in, our, in control of our finances and giving Him priority in that is an important part of placing God first in our lives. So let's not distract from that. That is true. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's more to giving God the first in your life. It's not just about money. God wants the first of your time. God wants the first of your energy. God wants the first of your relationships. God wants the first of your day. God wants the first of your efforts. Not the leftovers. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30, it talks about the tithe. And it says, God wants us to give a tithe of everything. From the land, whether the grain or the soil or the fruit or the trees, it belongs to the Lord and it is holy to the Lord. So Leviticus is telling us that our our firsts belong to God. You see, it's interesting if you go back and you read Leviticus 27, God is just giving all of these guidelines and all of these these structural things on how to live to the Israelites and this book of Leviticus was, was really before they even had a temple to worship in or a church to go to. The Israelites were, they were just a group of people that, that were led by God at that time. That's all they were. And so whenever you read Leviticus 27, the, the, the thing that he tells them is to gather their first, the first fruits, and, and to gather them together and to celebrate, to use those first fruits as a celebration to honor what God has done in their lives. And I really think that's a beautiful picture of giving God our first fruits. That when we give our tithes and offerings here in church, whenever we give God the first of our time, when we give God the first of our, our efforts, the first of our relationships, the first of our household, when we give God those first, it's not out of duty. It's not out of responsibility. It's not out of force, it's not out of obligation, it's out of thankfulness because of what God has brought us from. It's an act of restructuring ourselves to honor God for what He's already done and also believing in His character that He's going to continue to do those things for us. When we give God our first, that's what we're doing. We're honoring Him. It's not a... It's not a, you know, just a, a transaction. It's an emotional experience when we give God our firsts. Deuteronomy 14.23, it says this, the purpose of tithing, remember, tithing everything, not just tithing money, the purpose of tithing, our firsts, is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. And this is not something that you just do every once in a while remember we're talking about habits today and habits are something that you do day in day out it's something that you get to the point where you do it without even thinking about it it becomes your first nature now i get it we're not there yet right this is a stretch for some of us to to think about putting god first in all those areas of our life but remember this is a hope to look towards To think that, yes, this is possible, I can do this. So what are the areas that, and the ways that we can place God first? We can do it by placing God first in the beginning of our year. Give God the first of your year. That's why for the last seven days, we've been praying and fasting as a church. Giving up something that took our time, something that was important to us, Something that we used to do on a regular basis, we're giving it up so that we can give God more of ourselves in the first part of the year. That's why for the next three days, hopefully you'll you'll join us at Spiritual Renewal at the OSC campus in Lafayette. And this is, look, I know it's another church service, I know it's at 6.30 at night, but it's a sacrifice in order to encourage yourself to place God first in your life. It's not easy to give something up. It's not easy to make a sacrifice. It's it's not convenient to to take your family and, and go somewhere that you wouldn't normally go and break your routine and schedule like that. But I promise that if you can make the time to dedicate yourself, and if you're able to go to spiritual renewal for the next three days, you'll be encouraged, you'll be challenged, and I believe that you will be changing the course of your year and the way that you build habits this year. So we give God the first of our year. We also want to encourage and challenge you guys to give God the first of your month. But what does that mean? Sit down with with your spouse, or if you're not married, just sit down at the beginning of the month and look over the schedule, look over the budget, look over the plans and see are we are we prioritizing god in our schedules we got a lot of other things scheduled on our calendar a lot of other things that we know have to happen a lot of other things that we're committing to but are we prioritizing god in our schedule look at your at your budget at your finances and we have a lot of bills a lot of things that we have to pay but maybe there's some in there that are negotiable some things in there that that you could say, we need to prioritize God here a little bit more. We need to give God the first of our finances so that He can bless the rest. If I were you, I wouldn't schedule anything that schedules God out of your life. I also wouldn't schedule anything that pulls you away from your spouse and family. And I would challenge you Not to budget anything until you've accounted for giving God your first. It's an act of thankfulness and I honestly believe that if you can do that, that God will bless you for it. I want to challenge you guys to give God the first of your week. So you're here on Sunday morning, starting this week off right but I want to challenge you to make a commitment to yourself. What would it look like if you came to church 52 weeks this year? Now, that may not be completely possible. You have vacations. Maybe you have to be out of town or you travel for work or something like that. I get it. But what if every opportunity you had to be in this service on a Sunday morning, you prioritized it and you made it happen? Don't you think that that 2019 would look different if you hadn't been doing that already? Now again, this is just a small piece of it. Coming to church is not everything, but it's important. It gives us the opportunity to start our week off right. I want to challenge you guys not to just come to church on Sunday morning, but, but turn today as the first day of week into a Sabbath for you and your family. Set aside time today on Sunday to rest, a day of rest. God wants us to take that Sabbath. God wants us to rest. God wants us to recharge and re-energize. For you, that may look like going on a walk outside. The weather is finally beautiful, amen? I'm so sick of the rain. I'm so glad it's sunny outside. So maybe for you that looks like taking a walk outside. Maybe for you that looks like taking a nap. That can be restful. Now what I'm not saying is go home, eat lunch, and then sleep until 6 o'clock tonight, right? A lot of times we have something else going on in our life and we think that sleep is going to solve everything. There needs to be a balance in between. So a nap is okay. Sleeping for six hours to escape your problems is not okay, but a nap is okay, right? There's a balance there. Spend some time, you know, put your phone away, put the distractions away this afternoon, and just spend some time with your family. I know the saints are coming on at 3.40, so you've got a couple hours in there where you can relax. You can spend some time together, you can enjoy each other's company, you can take a nap. Turn Sunday into a Sabbath and give God the first of your week, more than just coming to church. Give God the whole day to rest, to relax, to recharge and re-energize and see what the rest of your weeks looks like when you can do that. And then lastly, we want to challenge you guys to give God the first of your day. Now, for all you non-morning people, I know you automatically think, I can't do that. And I want to be clear, I'm not asking you to wake up hours before you have to leave and go to work or whatever. Giving God the first of your day doesn't look like that, right? But sadly, many of us, when we wake up in the morning, we're just on autopilot, just trying to get to where we're going. We don't take the time to stop and reflect. And prioritize our day by putting God first in our day. You wake up and you snooze the alarm, maybe two or three or four times, depending on your personality. And for a lot of us, the first thing we do is we grab our phone and we check what happened between 11 o'clock and 7 a.m., right? Because obviously there was so much going on in the world that we have to see what happened on Facebook and Instagram in in those few hours while we were sleeping, and then maybe we go into the living room and we, we hit the coffee pot in the kitchen and turn it on. And then we turn on the TV to whatever news story is, is gathering national attention today, right? Again, think back to the weights that I was talking about. These things are not necessarily sin in and of themselves. But when they distract us, when they take hold and, and, and they take our time, they take control of our thoughts And these things choose how our day is going to go. We're giving control of our day to Facebook, to Instagram, to the news, to, to whatever thoughts are floating around our head. How much healthier would your day look if you took just 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and gave that time to God alone? Maybe you do have to Wake up 15 minutes earlier to make it happen. I promise you won't die. Imagine how much better your day would look. Now don't get me wrong, there's probably still something later on in your day that's going to try to to come in and take your attention and maybe ruin your day, right? You get a phone call that that you weren't expecting or something goes wrong at work that, that you just were hoping wouldn't happen today. Those things still happen. But then you have the clean slate like we talked about. It's not just something that happens January 1st. A clean slate is also not something that just happens at at 7 a.m. in the morning. The clean slate happens anytime you choose to say from this moment forward. I'm going to take control and I'm going to do better. So I want to challenge you guys to give God the first of your day. Take 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. Sit down with a cup of coffee or orange juice or whatever you like. Put away the distractions and just be thankful to God. Just give him a moment to reflect on what he's done for you and allow your day to begin with thankfulness and and building that relationship with God. Once you do that, once you give God your first of your time, your energy, your, your emotions, your thoughts, your first of your family, once you do that, then you can count on God and expect Him to bless the rest. When you give God your first, He will multiply everything else that you have left over. Now, this is not a short-term solution, right? If you wake up tomorrow morning and give God 15 minutes, I'm not saying that Monday is going to be great all day long. This is a habit. This is a discipline. And so if you commit to do this over and over and over again, to give God the first of your year, the first of your month, the first of your week, the first of your day, and you build this habit, In your life, in 2019, giving God your first. There's going to be days where you mess up. There's going to be days where you oversleep and you miss your alarm and and it's chaotic that day. There's going to be days where you make that mistake that that you've been avoiding and you said you would never do it again. There's going to be days that it might happen again. Start over. Don't give up. Don't. Don't stop hoping. Start over right then and there. When you give God your first, He'll multiply the rest. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 to 12, says, remember the Lord in all you do, and He will give you success. Man, I got some more scriptures to read, but that one is good enough right there, isn't it? Remember the Lord in all you do, and He will give you success. Sometimes we're out of sight, out of mind when it comes to God. And we just forget Him. It's not that we're mad at Him. It's not that we're angry. It's not that we don't like Him. We just simply forget. So remember the Lord in all you do. And He will give you success. Don't depend on your own wisdom. Respect the Lord and refuse to do wrong. Then your body will be healthy. Your bones will be strong. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits from all your crops. Then your barns will be full, your wine barrels will overflow with new wine. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline, and don't get angry when he corrects you. The Lord corrects those he loves, just as parents correct the child they delight in. So 2019, we have the opportunity for it to look a lot different than last year did. We have the opportunity to build some healthy habits. Maybe you got a list of stuff that you already want to accomplish. But I would challenge you this morning that if you don't focus on this, if you don't focus on putting God first, you are risking not accomplishing anything else on that list. Or even more more so, you're risking accomplishing those things, but not accomplishing the most important thing, which is allowing God to change your year. That's the greatest tragedy Accomplishing all the things that you set out to do, except for drawing near to God. Isn't that why we're here today? It's to allow God to teach us how to live? So maybe you're searching for clarity this morning. Maybe you're searching for a renewed purpose. Maybe you came in here this morning for hope. My question to you is, is simply, how desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to prioritize God first in all of those areas in your life? Remember back to the Israelites, it's not out of obligation. It's not out of duty. It's out of thankfulness for what God has already done. And it's also a belief in His character that He's going to continue to do those same things and be faithful to us as long as we honor Him.